You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? It is Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 73. Can you believe it? I'm your host. As always, don't know how it happened, but this is the way it's happened. 73 and counting. Brett Ballantini, your favorite White Sox fan. Hey, you! I've got another soon-to-be favorite White Sox fan, fellow fan. Uh, it is one of our favorite types of podcasts on the mothership. It is a meet the players podcast. We've done a handful of them. Haven't done one in a while. This is our first of the off season. We're going to have more for you, but we are introducing, at least in the first half of this podcast, one of our new writers hopped on right at the end of the season, been doing some off season content for us so far. It's Delia Ritchie and welcome. First of all, Delia. And uh, Hey, thanks for being part of the team. Thanks for having I mean, I'm really excited to join, and this is kind of like a culmination of two of my favorite loves, writing and baseball, and of course, White Sox baseball. It doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. And I should say, uh, if you're watching, representing the Seattle Kraken, it's popular. It is popular. It's a popular choice. It's a hot team, and it is a hot purple hat for sure, so... Delia, let us talk. Let's jump right into it. Of course, this is running. Our podcast is up at the same time. It's linked in the podcast post to your actual written Meet the Players, the old school throwback. If nobody wants to go multimedia, they can just read. They can just read about you. But let's cover some of those points. First of all, let's talk about your first White Sox memory. All right. So my first ever White Sox memory has to be from either, I was born in 1997, so I had no option whether or not I was going to be a White Sox fan or a Cubs. It was always going to be the White Sox. Side of a good Um, family. (laughs) It's it's my mom's influence, I swear. Um, 
so my first White Sox memory is probably uh, different than what I put, but I think mm. it was going to a game with my mom when I was about two or three. I was very young, very wow. little. Um, and just see, I hated fireworks. So like oh. Frank Thomas was still on the team at the time. And oh, so that's a problem. <laughs> so that was an issue for me yeah. because they would hit a lot of home runs. <laughs> and what would happen after every home run, there was fireworks everywhere. So it was just kind of like, it was hilarious to find, to see like, oh, you finally got over your fear at maybe five or six, but there's photos of like, my mom vividly remembers, they can't see this, but I would go like tears of joy, tears of sadness, all (laughs) the emotions of processing fireworks within 10 seconds, like 10 seconds of the fireworks being lit. Um, it was always hard when you could tell, like, I always tell by the, the hit, like the, the way the bat cracked and the way the bat hit, it was going to be a home run no matter what. And I was like, great, let's, let's, uh, let's get through oh, it. That's but, interesting that you, you're like conditioned. That's, uh, yeah, I, I had, um, it actually ended up being like an auditory thing. Like I just couldn't handle loud mm, booms. So mm. someone joked like, oh, maybe like in a past life you were involved in like a war or something. I'm like, mm. I don't think it's that. I just like <laughs> I want the home runs, but, um, but my mom would, uh, my mom would kind of take me, uh, to Cubs and Sox games growing up, but I really loved going to Sox games because there was always way better cotton candy and way better food options. And that still holds to this day. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Still better food options. No offense to the Cubs. I'm like, I had great pizza there once, but, um, it was more just, they have like great, they had great chef series. So that was cool to go to, but it wasn't what kept me going. Like I, I immediately went back to Sox games. You have full permission, Delia. Feel free to offend the Cubs. Don't worry about that. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I would, I would, I would. In that context, okay. In that context, in fair. that context, food wise, I would. Um, but like player wise, I did. I, I will not lie. I did love certain players in the Cubs growing up because. You, it was easy access the red line. It was mm. you go to both games in one day if you really tried hard enough, and they were on the same time. And I just remember watching like I um, was on a trip when I was seventeen, and my classmates and I we went to Nashville and Memphis, and we got to see a Memphis Redbirds game on the Memphis swing of our trip. So I got to see Chris Bryant in the minors in 2015 two weeks before he was called up to the Cubs. So seeing those kind of things is super awesome. And I love supporting minor league baseball. I wish I could have done it more because it's just so it's incredible to see the growth and development of players. I honestly wish that I could, I probably will end up going a couple this summer Hmm. um, because my mom, my, (laughs) not my mom, one of my best (laughs) friends works for the Chicago dogs. So I I plan on going (laughs) to a few games for her. Um, and it's funny cause we met, we both worked for the Cubs at the same time and we became friends and we both realized like, Oh my God, we're like sisters from like, <laughs> sisters. like how, how have we never connected over this commonality sure. and, uh, Pam, you're a real one. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of just had that connection to the white socks more just based on what I wanted to do when I grew up, when what I thought I wanted to do when I grew up, which was be the shortstop for the Chicago White Sox or the catcher. But I was like, I don't want to take AJ Brzezinski's job, you know, like he stays on for a long time. I was also raised by a mom, full disclosure, 
I'm going to mention my mom a lot. She's okay, it's fair. That's how it happens. Uh, my grandparents. So um, I joked like, oh yeah, like my mom's a huge Carlton Fist fan. That's why I love catchers who can throw to second base and get someone mm-hmm. out. It's exactly the reason why. It would, it would, uh, sure, absolutely. Um, and my my love of baseball really stemmed from my grandparents. Uh, my grandma, I don't know where they are, but she would make a homemade scorecard for every game my grandpa went to. Wow. The 1959 World Series. Wow. True, but I think it was the 1959 World Series. If I get misreport, if my one of my family members finds out about this and they're like, Delia, it wasn't the 1959 World Series. How dare you? We're not, we're not going to hold you to it. That's a Call pretty cool thing. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, she she loved baseball, and some of my fondest memories of watching away games were sitting mm. in our front room. So in Chicago, I live in a two flat. I grew up in a two flat, so we had a front room where we would see everything, and then we would have a TV on. And the TV always either had baseball, whatever movie at the time I was obsessed with as a child, <laughs> and my grandparents wedding anniversary video I always loved watching that growing up so it was funny to see like how much their love of baseball fueled my love of baseball Mm -hmm. and my grandpa especially he raised my mom like my my aunts and uncles and my mom to love baseball and my main lesson from him was respect the game love the game first love your respect the game first love your team second and I kind of took that I developed that meaning as the years went on. Like you have to be civic, like civic pride. Mm. I was really happy for my friends who were really, really big Cubs fans. that were really mm. happy for me when the White Sox won the world series and mm. made it to the playoffs in 2008. And they were like, Julia, we'll help you black out your converse. Like you have pink converse. Let's <laughs> just moral support, you know, just yeah. having true friends that were like, you know, I, I don't really see the rivalry. I'm like, I don't either really, but you know, it's a thing. It happens. It, it, it flips on the script. So like one year, yep. it comes to be really good. Make yep. the world series win, throw off the balance of the universe. The next year, my <laughs> tax could win. You never know. Yeah. Um, it does make it fun. It doesn't make it fun having the two teams. Sure. It's great for um, content wise, just having my, um, seeing my family grow like my cousins grow up and everything and they marry Cubs fans or they marry a Yankees fan not that they would but who knows um and there go yeah I, I have the outright say like I always side with the mom sometimes because they're like I brought the child into the world I think sure. I, they get a say in what sports teams they like or you could just have it be like me where I just went to games and I decided you know what I think I look better in black and white. Yeah. I'm just going to go with the neutral colors here. Yeah. I mean, um, it doesn't have to make sense. I mean, usually it does come from a very heavy hand for from the, the person. Uh, oftentimes it does seem like it's often a, a father. In my case, it is. But, you know, whoever it is who was the, the strong, you know, presence, and it could be grandparent, you know, uh, uh, but the idea that you sort of got to choose. I mean, that's, that's an interesting freedom. I'm of course, you know, dealing, you made the right choice. So, I mean, that's, obviously. thank goodness. That's why I, we're I, talking. I thank dad. goodness. I think my dad could even agree that I made the right choice. Uh, and my grandpa always said, well, two of my favorite, favorite phrases of his, he was only in my life, sadly, for six years, mm-hmm. but he was such an impact in that short span mm-hmm. that it doesn't, it didn't seem like six mm-hmm. years, it felt like an eternity. 
And so one of his things was always stick with the sax and another was go you white sax. So I always liked the go, go white sax song, but we would always yell, go you white sax as a way to honor him. Sure. So my dad gets full credit for my obsession with hockey. I did really become it. When the white sax were down Mm -hmm. and the the other team, the hockey. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I won't mention their name, but. Fair enough. when they were really good, it was really easy to kind of just have that be my winter sport and then go to Loyola mm-hmm. games sometimes. Um, this was my mom's been a season ticket holder for men's basketball since I was four. So another mm-hmm. very big love of mine and mm-hmm. probably one of the reasons why I love going to Loyola and also interning. So I'm not going to incriminate myself here, but I interned in athletics too. So, <laughs> um I, I'm not, I'm fully admitting my bias there. Like I, I really love that. I love sports in general, but having the ability to work in sports and have, I've worked for both the Cubs and the White Sox in the last three or four years is pretty, really, it's really special to say. And it's not, not a lot of people get that opportunity. And I've been able to work for at least technically four, but three out of how many professional sports teams there are. That's ideal. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting ideal. a sampler, especially at a time when you are trying to figure out the direction, you know, you want to be going and you sort of want to absorb all the experience you can get. And I want to say, ideally, I don't think it's not, it doesn't eliminate you from Southside Sox staffing, because I know there's at least one or two other folks who have worked for the Cubs and then come Southside Sox. So that, you know, you're not even blazing a trail there. It's not, no. there's not a lot of people who, who are that way, but it you was, know, it's not unprecedented. I will say, so I, again, I should add that I come from an Irish Catholic background. So I have a huge family on my dad's side and a huge family on my mom's side. So my cousins on my mom's side a lot of them are white Sox fans so when i told them hey guys like i got a job with the cubs it's gonna be really great i know it's not ideal but like <laughs> what it is and they called me traitor for like <laughs> two summers in a row so i was working in one, one thing and then i got it i switched to a thing that i really loved and i was like they're short-term positions what's wrong with you guys i like I broke down in tears at our family reunion. <laughs> I kept calling. It was these little twelve. Well, they're now in college. Sure, in college now. By the time they were like seventeen, sixteen, they were going for the jugular. Yeah, and I was still like not sensitive. But I was like, how dare you? I had a <laughs> I love this team. I spent all my money on white side games. Um, but it it's was, it's I a was, career. It's a career path. Okay. <laughs> your career path right and stay just as pure uh delia tell me this did um you were too young really for the the kids can play even though that might have been about the time you first got your uh your feet wet at Sox park and got uh intimidated and upset by the fireworks but uh the first early favorite player could not have been it's not a common surname but it could not have been todd ritchie right no, I think I was too young. Um, it'd be really funny if we were related. You know? I would kind of laugh because I'm. There's two NHL players, Brett Ritchie and Nick Ritchie, who have the same exact last name that I do. And I've kind of like I don't want to ask my dad, like, "Hey, Dad, they're from the same area that you claim our relatives are from in Canada." 
is this a common yeah thing? what's the story um like what's the story here i'm a little suspicious i kind of gotta ask some questions uh-huh. um i wouldn't do that i don't want to upset <laughs> <laughs> um but i i will say my favorite my earliest favorite player uh it had to have been frank thomas because i remember yeah. so my parents were really young when they had not young but they were young enough to like mm-hmm. not have a lot of friends that had kids at the time <laughs> so I was kind of like the trailblazer there um and so that meant I had to go to the ER a lot not a lot but <laughs> sure for some inj- so right. one time I remember I was dehydrated and it was at a softball it was a Sunday softball game and that was a big thing in my family and so my grandpa noticed that I was not doing well and so I had a Gatorade and in the back seat everything's gone so it's a long way to say I had to go to the ER. Mm-hmm. They hooked me up in an IV. My grandpa and my uncle, so also my godfather, hi, Uncle Johnny, he, <laughs> they bolted to get to children's. And then I'm, they beat my mom and I and my dad. Like they beat us <laughs> to the hospital and they were at the same place that we were. And so I had to be hooked up to an IV to kind of get some fluids in. And I go to my mom and I remember one of my earliest scary moments of like, athletic injuries mm. with big hurt going down in 1999 2000 maybe and he was carted off and that was mm-hmm. a huge thing for me because I was like oh, no 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 no, yes mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so I lift up my little arm and I go mommy mommy I have an owie like the big hurt and so <laughs> I, I just I I loved him and yeah. I think he's great and I, I love his social presence I love mm-hmm. him as a player but I, I'd also say in that same vein, Paul Canerco probably had to been an er, like an early mm-hmm. favorite. But mm-hmm. Scott Pesenic, I will say, was definitely up there mm-hmm. um, as I got older. And Jim Tomey, by far, by far was one of my favorites in middle school and a little well into high school because I would always say like, oh, Jim Tomey was incredible. Like, and when I heard his speech, the mm-hmm. saying like, whether you were a kid in the stands or some or a kid just saying hello, I related to that because I met him twice and I was able to be like, you're awesome. And mm. I was little. So I was like, you're amazing. He's like, oh no, thank you. So I, I have a very big bias when it comes to backstories. And when you, when, once I find out the backstory of a player, I, I go for it. I'm like, we're going to find out everything there is to know about you um, in a healthy way but also to get to know the person behind the persona. So Bobby Jenks was also another player that I really deeply connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who was just like getting that second chance, winning the World Series and being a closer and then having to like fight for and advocate for those who have spinal injuries as a yeah. surgery. Um, I will shout out my sport management professor, Dr. Zachary Binkley for showing me He's like, Julia, I need, he, I was in his office and we were mm. talking, this is before the pandemic. So this was 2019. I was just mm. asking him about something where he got to the subject of Bobby Jenks. He's like, Julia, did you read his player shipping article? And I go, mm. no, I haven't. Why? He's like, look it up right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't cry in your office. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to start sobbing. Yeah. Um, and I recently said to one of my friends, Katie, who we both, Later in life, we're friends in high school. It's kind of like those later in life situations mm-hmm. where you're bonded by someone that was lost. So we lost our friend in high school from mm-hmm. high school. 
and we have since become like better friends. And so I'll text her about like Lance Lynn and she'll text me about this. And we've become better friends I would right. say, after high school. And so I sent her the article and she's like, Delia, why would you send me this? Yeah. A public place right now. I'm, cry. <laughs> I'm like, that's the perfect place to yeah. cry. You're at a Target. Now everyone's crying in Target. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the universal Target experience is you don't, if you see some, if you see someone crying, back up (laughs) yeah they're going through something yeah um but the emotional connection to the players probably set me up for failure in the long run because it would be like after a trade and i'd be beside myself so i was like no i love this guy but after my mom kind of sat me down and her own experiences well she loved harold baines and she loved carlton fisk and one of the hardest like i will say my mom does cry, but she cried when Harold Baines was traded. And I'm like, that's, wow. And she's like, no, you don't get it. I, I, <laughs> I, I cried. Yeah. I cried. And I don't cry. Yeah. I cried. And I'm like, mom, you you cried over like Jake Berger's like game, like right. game interview. Like who doesn't cry at that? Right, right. Um, I definitely did. And it was just kind of funny. It was humbling to have her explain to me the business of baseball and the business mm. of sports and that's probably what got me into sport management because mm. i that's my major at Loyola so i'm like i think people does like some like athletes deserve to have the human side of sports there is no there's is a human side but it's just deeply buried under the business hierarchy and you can't have like a oh well thanks for being such a great player, but mm, bye, you're not worth much. Like, it's just kind of, there's no mediator for them to be like, I've played this sport my whole life for this whole, for the team my whole mm-hmm. life. Why would you just up, like, let me uproot my life? So I kind of got to realize the business of sports was just, it was a business. And sometimes it didn't account for emotions or feelings or anything of that nature. So that's probably why I got into sports. Cause I was like, well, I kind of want to kind of delve into that and change it a little bit. So there's at least an exit process that seems not life altering, but at least a positive way to look at, okay, well, I've been dealt with this. How can I make it better? So, well, and, and with the trend uh, with, with the gambling intrusion into sports uh, with, with some of the numbers emphasis, so I think overall it's healthy for the sport. I think it, it, it increases interest, it does have the potential to dehumanize. Obviously, we've seen some really weird outliers where players are being threatened, presumably presumably by like gamblers or people who have an issue uh, with a performance, uh, which is just a, a sickening offshoot of uh, you know social media and gambling and that. So certainly to have someone uh, like yourself, who's going to be trying to inject a little bit more of the, you know, the humanness to it. You know, I think there need to be more people behind the scenes doing that. I'm sure every team claims they have that. I'm sure every team does practice that. It's never a bad thing to have more of that because we have an opposing side that's trying to uh, encroach on the game in sort of a frightening way. And it is going to de- is going to further dehumanize uh, players. So I think we need everybody we can on the teams and watching the games, uh, fighting for that side and telling those stories because eh, that other side is, it's, 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 it's not fun. It's creepy. It it creeps me out a little bit because the thing that I can't stand most, especially with athletes is when they get attacked for something like, 
I mean, if it's something like, you know, something they say that's really deeply offensive to other people and it harm directly harms people, sure. there's reason to call out that person mm-hmm. and reason to say, hey, you really took this too far and mm-hmm. it's not okay. We should have a conversation or at least open the conversation for you to understand where we're coming from. But the gambling side, I mean, it's fun to do a March Madness bracket. I do one, but I write it down. I physically write it down. I'm like, all right, long shot. This is the team that wins it. This is the team that will actually win it. But it's just, for me, I was always just, I grew up, my mom called me, like everyone I knew called me an old soul and someone that really connected with others. So that's part of the reason why I loved having like sports as an outlier or as an outlet, because Mm -hmm. Even if I found out like one interesting fact about a player, I'd be like, oh, well, they really like this stuff. And like, that's really cool because I also really like this. But having the non-humanist side where they're like, you are an athlete, you perform for us, Mm -hmm. we demand money of you, we demand (laughs) everything you're willing to put the line on. No, 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 no. They're not, they're, yes, they entertain us. It's amazing to see Tim Anderson backflip, but it's even more (laughs) incredible is his ability to connect with people Mm -hmm. in the community and what he's doing with his foundation and what his wife does, Bria Anderson, who's one of my all time, one of my favorite people. Um, Just finding out more about what they are, who they are, what they do and why they want to make the world a better place, or at least their community a better place. So I love having like players like that that genuinely seem to care about the city of Chicago Cause it's huge. It's as someone who grew up here, it's awesome to see players that really connect with the city. It was great to see, you know, players that my friends loved growing up for the Cubs just going like, yeah, no, like I was seven when Anthony yeah. Rizzo signed mm-hmm. with the white was signed or was traded to the Cubs. It's like, you were seven. <laughs> Wait a minute. How old <laughs> I? I'm 23 now. How old was I then? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he, he started in 2004, like 2006. <laughs> and I felt a little less guilty. I was like, oh, 2008? Yeah, I was like, there yeah. you go. Sure, right. Uh, and it's nice to see, you know, that's what, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an element of fandom that obviously you're, you've been already talking about it in, in terms of embracing the team leader. Uh, and guys like Tim Anderson and guys like Jose Abreu who have been in the community now for some time have done such great things. But then it's, on the other hand, it's so exciting to see somebody like Liam Hendricks come into town and really take that. I mean, granted, he has some veteran presence, but the fact that he used that veteran presence to say, okay, right off the bat, he's hitting the ground running and contributing in a way that says he's, the community is important. The team's important. He plans to be around. Uh, It just makes him an instant hero. My, my head is on my beating right now because (laughs) I cannot tell you how much I love, like, obviously I love Lance Lynn. Cause he's like, I modeled my game after guys who are assholes. That's literally what he said. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swear here <laughs> when I say this, but he essentially modeled his game after guys like Bobby Jenks and guys mm-hmm. like, uh, other, other, other pitchers who were just kind of like gritty and mm-hmm. also had a heart, mm-hmm. a heart of gold. I'm not going to lie. There are some pitchers out there who have a heart of gold and I love Liam Hendricks. And I, when I told my mom about Liam Hendricks and his wife, Christy, I was like, mom, like, this is what they're doing. Like they're literally changing Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. at center on Halstead, which is a huge organization, which is an organization that deserves all the respect it gets and all 
a lot of funds should go there because it helps people in the community, in the LGBTQ plus community. And the fact that they did that, and my mom went, just looked at me directly in the eye and she said, they deserve to have children because I know they would be amazing parents. Mm. And that's like kind of the thing. My mom and I kind of both agree. If the thing is, I'm just going to go on a little unconditional love thing. Unconditional love is unconditional. There's no, you can't use your, your religion. I put that in quotes Mm. as a way to formulate hate or anything of that nature. And it's not healthy and it's not okay. And you shouldn't be a parent if you don't love your kid. And so the fact that they did that on a public forum and talked to Len Casper and Jason Bedetti, which is still weird for me to hear yeah. on the radio broadcast. I'm like, hold on. I'm on the wrong AM, cha- like AM channel here. Right. And then I go, oh no, we got to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yep. remember my friends who, I, again, my coworkers, my colleagues that became friends, they were like, Delia, point they're pointing at me you need to treat him with respect <laughs> like, what do you think i have it to do with uh, this like, yeah all right i'm i'm the lone representative here no timmy's a padres fan why i don't know but i'm not gonna ask him about it because he's gonna hurt me mm-hmm. <laughs> not literally but figuratively um and yeah so- i mean the the white Sox won five out of six and the biggest win i think uh, over the cubs this year was uh stealing such a great voice so pretty sweet yeah. It was definitely, I mean, if the Craig, Craig Kimbrell thing did work out, I'm glad we have Len Casper because uh, I will admit the 2020 season, I really missed hearing Ed, Ed Farmer. Mm. And that was one thing I loved that my grandma did is she would at times listen to the radio broadcast and watch the TV, especially it was a national broadcast. Mm. And at the time, <laughs> so maybe 2005 when I was in the front room, we were in the living room watching the game and we had the radio on because we we're like, we're going to have the radio on for this. Like we're not going to listen to Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were, we were kind of right about that. Yeah. Um, and when like hearing like the out, out the white Sox went it, the white Sox went it, it was just kind of just a culmination of, I'm so upset that my grandpa isn't here to see this, mm-hmm. but I know that he kind of helped pave it out. And another just coincidental thing so my great uncle leo his older the oldest brother and the three uh paternal figures um leo my my pop my grandpa john and peter leo passed away minutes after the white Sox won the world series wow wow minutes so i'm i'm grateful he got to see the white Sox win but it was just so heartbreaking to kind of just have it be like, well, like I really would. But then I looked over at my grandma and I'm like, God, I don't know how she's feeling. And yeah. she was probably having her own mixed mm-hmm. emotions because there's a beauty within grief that you connect with others about. Like there's some connection with grief that it can either heal you or it could hurt you. And I've definitely been on both sides of the spectrum um, when my mom's best friend, Maureen McIntyre, or Mo Mac, as we call her, when she passed away and I, I was 17, it was 2015. So it was right before I took the trip to Nashville, mm-hmm. she with my high school. So she would, her seats were, her season tickets were right by the bullpen. So growing, like just going to games, uh, my cousins and I, she would help us like meet different bullpen. I have a 
but I had a bucket hat or a green socks hat that was signed by Toby Hall, which is a very, very much fun sure. to talk about. Sure. I have a hat signed by Toby Hall. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, hmm. It's a story. It's a story. Um, because that's what, that's what having a baseball family for me was so healing. Hmm. It was just having that deep emotional connection to others based on the sport that you love, but getting to know them outside of the sport and getting to have that family atmosphere and just having the people that you love in a way that it feels deeper than blood family, but also having your blood family there too. So it was kind of funny for me this summer to see like, Oh my God, that's my cousin, Billy on my dad's side. Oh my God. That's my cousin, Brian on my mom's side. Why are they both here at the same time? Or my, my best friend, um, and former roommate, Kiernan, she grew up in the Sox family. So she's like, Delia, what do you think of this player? I'm like, I think he's great. Don't know. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think he's great. But he's not great. <laughs> um, and there was a couple of years, there was a few years where I kind of took off from the White Sox. So I had one of those, I can't support, Adam, I'm going to fully name drop here, Adam Eaton or Adam LaRoche or Drake mm-hmm. LaRoche. And the fact that I sided with Todd Frazier, who I had a like a per, like a connection to Todd Frazier because one of the children, one of the kids he was really close with in Cincinnati when he played for the Reds was a child with Down syndrome and mm-hmm. how he got to know his family and got to really be connected within the community and within the Down syndrome community, I mm-hmm. think. And so my cousin, Claire, who's my little sister, she is a Cubs fan, but her mom's a White Sox fan. We're going to count her in. All right. Um, my mom's sister, um, she was born, she uh, has Down syndrome. And so she is like my kid sister. I affectionately call her my little sister. And I've tried to get her into the White Sox over the years. I'm not going to lie. It hasn't been a valiant <laughs> effort, but sometimes it's like the dad has the final say, the mom has the final say. So I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about the cousin? Yeah, right. Come on. I got a voice. Like I have a voice here, but I just, I loved being a part of my, my blood family being Sox fans. And then Mm -hmm. my actual getting no white Sox family being white, like just having that common ground, then having that connection outside where you can just get to know other people better and be like, well, we're like, we took a trip to Milwaukee this summer and it was a blast, but we kept going to ourselves like I kept looking around a little bit, like, oh, where's Mo? Like, where's 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 like this family? Like, right. And I'm like, oh, oh. different family. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> she's gone. Like, she, she's right. Gone. Yeah. Um. So I will say, I loved having sports as like both my outlet for grief and as my inlet because I would let some people in, and then they would unfortunately some people would be staying. Some people wouldn't, but mm. the one thing that always tripped my friends growing up was, wait, how are you born on the North side, raised on the North side and a diehard White Sox fan? Now it's like, I'm Irish. We have a thing called Irish amnesia. We forget everything but the grudges. So <laughs> our personal beef was with the Presbyterian Wrigley's and how my mom's side of the family, the Wrigley's fired Joe McCarthy. And that was a big deal. He was an mm-hmm. Irish Catholic manager who went out had a career success with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And as anyone knows, even Yankees fans hate the Yankees sometimes. I don't know. It's just a thing. <laughs> um, I love Derek Jeter. 
but it was a real hard time admitting that growing up. So I was like, oh, do I yeah. hate him because he's good? Yeah. I love him because he's good. Yeah. But he's a good person, but he's a Yankee. Look at the hat. Yeah. yeah. Like he's wearing a Yankees hat. And I don't support this. No. But I also grew up a huge David Ortiz fan. So that had the Boston Red Sox and the White Sox connection definitely had a little spinning circle. But having um having the ability to tell your friends like yeah we uh we've had a i guess it's now 90 year beat with wrigley's and then <laughs> my grandpa so he was a diehard chicago cardinals fan so that's taking it way back when the cardinals were the sole football team and so the bears huh, um played at wrigley and so my family would go up to the northwoods of wisconsin a lot and my great-grandfather would go to Cubs games and he would kind of like help with pickup or whatever. And there's a weird thing that a lot, some, again, some Irish families grew up both Packers fans and White Sox fans because the Cardinals were ousted to St. Louis and then later Arizona, which the Bears played at Wrigley. It was easy, it was easy connection Mm -hmm. to make. And so that's why my uncle is a huge Packers fan too. So it's kind of funny to be like, well, I, I, I love football. Not going to lie there. Love it. I just can't say which football team I root for. <laughs> um, I just kind of go like, I'm neutral. You know, I really like the Bulls. Um, <laughs> Let's go to a sport we can talk about. <laughs> like, I think the Bulls, I'll pivot. I'll pivot the conversation. Like, you know, so Seattle Kraken, they're really, they're really right. at it. Really getting at it. They're cracking me up. And then you're like, what is spring training? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is <laughs> Please let me know so I can not be here for this conversation. <laughs> On that note, Delia, let is, let's take a break. We're going to talk about the actual Chicago White Sox team. You've gotten to know a little bit about Delia Ritchie, our new staffer, who has already participated in some writing here. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with the second half that talks a little bit. 2021 and 2022 White Sox. Hold on just a sec. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, White Sox fans, it is Mothership Podcast number 73, one of those favorites, favorites to all of us, because we're getting to know a new person in our family and on our team. It's Delia Ritchie. We've gotten to know a little bit of her background. It's definitely quite a tapestry when trying to explain how she got here, what her favorite memories were, what football team she followed. You know, it's, it's very complicated. And I'm sure over the weeks and months and years to come, we'll get to know a lot more there. But let's focus a little bit now, Delia, on, well, let's start off first looking back at the 2021 team playoff club almost led the division from 
from first pitch to final out, uh, had a successful season on a lot of counts. In terms of your expectations, how did the 2021 team measure up? So I was, I will, I'll start right before spring training. I was, as soon as I heard, again, I looked at my memories from a year ago, a couple days ago, when the announcement of Tony LaRusse's hire was made. And initially I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Is this a real thing? Is this real? Are we doing this? <laughs> um, it was shock. I really had to tell my mom. I had to have my mom kind of calm me down. I was like going on a little spiral there. So I was like, this is not real. This is, this is. You and a lot of us. <laughs> this is not real. And then it got to be spring training and, oh God, the hits kept coming. It was like, you could tell Herm Schneider was not the yeah. lead athletic trainer anymore. Yeah. And losing you. E- Eloy or losing, I think it was Luis and then Eloy, if, or maybe it was reversed, but yeah, Eloy was uh spring train and then Luis was May. So yeah, Eloy didn't even get to start the regular season. So having Eloy go down early before the season even began, really, it was probably game two of spring training. I could say that I was like, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. And then I was shocked at a little, Again, some of the decisions that were made, I was shocked for a different reason, but I was completely shocked by when it, a couple of days later we found out, oh, wait, Tony Russa had this happen and he was still allowed to be on the team. Still hired. And as someone who, I mean, personally, I have not, I, I've not been impacted by impaired driving or drunk driving, but my mom has. And for me, I have anger towards the person that almost hurt, almost hurt my mom permanently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to have that be a wake up call and be like, this person is, this guy is not good for the team, not good for the, for the recognition, not good for the reasons that we need a manager. Mm-hmm. And I joked with my friends like, Oh my God, even age. And this was again, before the 2021, 2021 playoffs, mm-hmm. full disclosure. Yeah. Oh my, I was being sarcastic too. So if my friends took it seriously, that's on them. I went, Oh my God it would be so much better if we had like, I don't know. I have low expectations. AJ Brzezinski, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Joke. Mm-hmm. And my friends were like, really? I'm like, no, not at all. I take anyone. anyone. <laughs> and so my expectations started to shift as soon as I could feel the team gelling. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they started gelling, May, it was May 19th. It was a twins game. Your mean Mercedes right. hit at 3-0 count home run. Yep. Off a of position player. And for me, I'm like, mm, maybe we should cut this game. It's like 19 to nothing. Maybe we should call it. Like, <laughs> this, this is more of a football game than it is like an actual baseball game. But at the same time, I was like, what is Adam Eaton whispering in your mean Mercedes ear? Mm-hmm. One man, there's two men, three people technically that I do not trust. When it comes to baseball, <laughs> one of them's Adam Eaton. Full disclosure. Number two is Adam LaRoche. Number three is Adam Dunn. <laughs> the Adams I was led to believe would change the outlook of the White Sox. And maybe one, not three, mm. maybe one led up to my, like, was yeah. up to my expectations. Barely. Barely. So, and that was probably Adam Dunn, which mm. is to think about. Because the last yeah. year, I was like, oh, he's finally getting home runs. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's the yeah. last year of his contract. Mm. Great. Uh, oh, and Jeff Kepinger, that's number four, I guess. But 
it was it was a odd season to have that that person there again it's like the ex-boyfriend you didn't expect to come back <laughs> back and you're like oh god what why, yeah. why are we doing this and for me I felt bad for your mean for a little bit and I was like oh no it'll be fine he'll get over it and then he slumped horrifically whether yeah. it was due to that whether it was due to La Russa apologizing to the twins mm-hmm. a division rival again I put that in quotations mm-hmm. um for like having him do it anyone's there's no there's unwritten rules about perfect games there's unwritten rules about no hitters in the eighth inning there's nothing that says well you're already your team's already leading 17 to nothing 18 to nothing you have 3-0 count it's the people that want to rant and rave about the unwritten rules that have no regard for the game of baseball and sometimes you have bloodbaths sometimes you Mm -hmm. have games that end in 20 innings i went to an 18 inning game against the Red Sox, it was White Sox, Red Sox, and it was in the heat of July in 2005, and that was, that was, that was a fun game, because the White Sox ended up winning, but it's just sometimes I get a little frustrated with the people that go like, ah, unwritten rules, and I'm like, what, what are they, because if they were respected, they'd be written, Mm -hmm. and if they're not respected, that means people talk about them, you whisper about it, like, don't, if you, if, you're pitching a no hitter. Don't, don't get a walk. Don't get this kind of thing. It's like, it's, it's just kind of hard to believe that the impact of, if it was, I don't know, I'm not in your meat Mercedes mind, but if it was both a teammate and your manager, that's not, that's not ideal. That's not. And that's when I was initially suspicious of like, okay, this is too good to be true. Something's going to fall off. Yeah. The wheels are going to fall off. The wheels yeah. are going to like, we're going to lose track. We're going to lose the division. And my mom's like, it's May, it's June, it's July. Enjoy the ride. She didn't say enjoy the ride. She was just like, mm. it, it's, it's too early right. to tell. It's too early right. to tell. And for me, I would just go, well, it is too early to tell, but I, it's not good that, Adam Eaton's had the same trajectory and the same level, like same gap of being on a team and then magically leaving that team at the end of the season. Mm. And it's having like, if you have like a clubhouse family and you're trying to build that atmosphere, there's no room for someone to jeopardize that and to have them be kind of like the, if he's earned the term clubhouse cancer, I don't know, but it's not it's not a great guy not a he's not a clubhouse cotton candy that's for sure clubhouse kind of guy and the fact that jimmy rollins had to stand up for (laughs) yeah the new guy he's been there for like a week went to kenny williams wasn't even on the team for a week he's like i'm really uncomfortable (laughs) with this i i don't think this kid should be in a locker room and drake laroche you probably won't read this your dad won't let you because you're homeschooled but (laughs) he's in community college now but he I couldn't, I couldn't, oh yeah. God, that still irks me. And whenever people ask me about it, I'm like, oh, I have theories. I yeah. have theories. Um, but when it got to be June, it was like, oh, we're still at this pace and it's okay. Like we're still winning. Mm-hmm. Then the second half of the season hit and I was like, oh, okay. We're, we're losing a little bit, but we're still in first place because right. everyone else in the central is kind of yeah. losing your speed. And 
again, I went, well, they haven't played a 162 season in two years at mm. this point. And like the season, they had mm. only had 60 game seasons and they started in mid June, mid July. Right. So I was like, okay, like the injuries are going to pile up. Something's going to happen. Like we're going to have to set, like we're going to have to start being buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. And we traded. I think some of the trades were good. Um, I really, I really actually did initially like the Kimbrel Tempera trade with uh, Magical and uh, Cody Hoyer, and what? then uh, Co- Cody Hoyer and uh, Madrigal, right for uh, for Kimbrel, right? Yeah, and I thought, oh, like maybe we can actually. And then I remembered Kimbrel's National League career, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're really bull- we're really pushing Hendrix's limit here. Um, and I did love Tempura. He actually, I actually, he won me over in the long run because I was like, he really is pitching his heart out and I can appreciate that. Yes, he did almost blow a couple leads, but again, some of the time I'm like, Egh. and then having, I will say my number one bingo card, not expected, but I was expecting it in a, in a way was Dallas Keigel just completely losing steam and like i feel for him but i was also like you don't blame yeah you don't blame the offense for not you were providing the runs for the other team man like yeah like in 2020 when you're when your era is two you can talk when your era is five 60 games so like who's to say this at like 162 he wasn't gonna have a five era but I just couldn't stand him just throwing the teammate, his teammates under the bus. Cause like, yeah. again, yeah, if it's on one guy, it's on one guy, but that one guy's taking it to heart and he's hopefully going to find a vibe vouch for a better result. It was for me, he wasn't taking accountability for the fact that his pitch pitches, his pitching style wasn't up to par with the hitters he was facing and he wasn't doing his homework. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing I don't like. It's like, not doing your homework. I think it's because my two of my aunts were teachers and I was raised as like, you do your homework, but you put in the work, you get the job done and you get a better grade to put in a school trajectory, a school terminology. But it just, to me, it felt like he didn't do his homework and he didn't, he didn't feel, again, he, to me, he kind of felt like the Adam eating the pitchers a little bit, <laughs> a little bit there, a little bit. And that's an extreme, but he did feel like a little Adam eating kind of, Sure, there had to be some discomfort. Even when it was the positive thing in 2020, uh, there was discomfort in the in the clubhouse. And certainly, when he's doing the same thing and not pitching well in 2021, I'm going to guess there were a couple guys who had something to say to him because mm, probably because he was directing some of his comments toward those guys. So there probably were some interesting conversations. The thing is, I would have other positive things to say if he didn't seem like such a jerk. And like the fact that he. My favorite thing was fine, was seeing Tim Anderson's comments when he was like, well, you know, I come from a winning background and I'm going to teach mm-hmm. these guys a thing or two. Dude. And Tim was like, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, you little this guy. Like, I can imagine him just like eating spaghetti at home, watching his daughters. They're great. They're adorable. I love them so much. I follow them on Instagram, full disclosure. I think they're the cutest. <laughs> and so he's just like eating his pasta. He goes, hey. I'm going to troll this guy. Right. He's my teammate. My teammate. Like, <laughs> do it. Send that button. Yeah. Press that comment button. Yeah. Do what you need to. Um, because I love some of the players. I've, I've 
fully admit I love some of the players on the team. Again, I mentioned my love for Lance Lynn, pitching staff. Um, but I, I love Lucas Giolito. And I think his impact in terms of outside of the sport is huge because his dad on Twitter is just like, yeah, Lucas always stands up for the kid being bullied. Yep. He was always like that. That's how we raised him to be. And I'm like, why isn't every parent like that? Like, mm-hmm. come on, where's the common sense here? Mm-hmm. But a guy like D- Dallas Keuchel, I just can't, I, maybe I'm saying his last name wrong, but. Nope, you're not. Uh, <laughs> he just gave off the vibe of, I do things my way and I don't listen to anyone. I don't, he could probably call me out and just say, I listened. And I'm like, buddy, you wouldn't even listen when you're, when your pitch speed dropped yeah, and people were getting softballs off of you. Like they could hit a 16 inch softball off of you. No problem with the way you're like the slow pitch thing. Um, and so another issue I had was with uh, people who were like, well, you know, James McCann isn't here, so we're gonna like be terrible at catching. Were we? Yeah. Rendell was yeah. carrying yep. the team. He was carrying that pit, that kit, that catching staff. Yeah. And that's not a, that's not a jab at Zach Collins, but I told my mom like maybe he needs to go back to like catching school and learn how to frame. I yeah. don't know about you, but I think there's a basic here that he's kind of missing. And again, Zach Collins, if you're listening to this, you probably won't, but feel free to call me out. Feel free to it's show not, me that you're doing It's not the first time he's heard it. It's not the first time he's heard it. This offseason, I'll take back some negative things that I have said. Not to your face, but as a coward. All of us would be happy to see that. And, and you know, Grandal himself said a year or two ago that he was impressed with his work ethic and that he was going to be a better catcher. And we just haven't seen it. I don't know if it's – I don't think it's playing time. We just haven't I seen it. Uh, I just and, don't know what the White Sox themselves – like Chris Getz, I'm sure, does a great job of what he does for the minor league. Like I'm sure he does a great job. But the blind faith thing just gives me, again, as a White Sox fan, as someone who is – not a big fan of Jerry Reinsdorf. It gives me really, really bad energy and vibes to like days of old, days yeah. of old when we thought, oh, Gordon Beckham's going to be this great guy. Right. Super awesome. It's going to yeah. pay off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've heard this story before for sure. Like Tyler Flowers, who one of, another one of my friends from high school, she was a huge AJ Pazinski fan. So I have to reach out to her because she wasn't here for the world series, but she, she's over uh, abroad. And so I have to, I have to message her like, Hey, um, when you get back, I might send you a couple links. Cause uh, AJ Pazinski was super biased. Again, it's one thing if it's Joe Buck, I'm like, Oh, well, he's sure. Respected. He's a journalist. Like sure. you gotta respect him. It's another if it's like someone that you grew up and you loved. And I, I remember going to like a an Indian, a Cleveland game and the White Sox were playing in Cleveland. And we ran into like half the team. And it was uh, John Dink's birthday or something. I think it was John Dink's birthday. Mm-hmm. So half the team was there. And Adrian Pazinski, who I had bumped into physically earlier <laughs> at the mall attached to the, Carl- the Ritz-Carlton in Cleveland. He goes, hey, didn't I bump into you earlier? <laughs> like, I was 10, so I was like, uh, yeah, you did. I, I dropped my phone, but yeah, you definitely did. And he's like, well, how was, like, how, how are you guys? Like, how, how, like did you go to the game at all? I'm like, you're having a full conversation. Wow. 
We're at Morton Steakhouse in Cleveland. All right, let's get into this. And so yeah. my mom's there. And so he goes, I go, well, like, AJ, here's the thing. There was this fan who was a little rude, and he was a Cleveland fan, of course. Like, why wouldn't it be? I'm not right. dragging all Cleveland fans. I know some that are mm-hmm. great and some that are awful. This is an example of an awful one. So I didn't realize that his surname was Przinsky. And I didn't realize, I didn't make the association at the time. Again, I was 10, mm. but he was Polish. So this is funny to me. He was like, yeah, he kept calling you catfish pierogi. And I kept going, it doesn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> he's, he's not a catfish, whatever that is. And he's not a pierogi. Like, what? That's like, doesn't make sense. And he was trying to hold it in, like the laughter, because he was just trying to laugh at the fact that some like this 10 year old is telling right. him this story (laughs) as a white Sox fan like as a child like just defending his honor i was defending your honor and now aj i don't know if i can anymore (laughs) yeah you don't have to be biased for the white Sox. you can just be not biased nice be nice to them okay they just made a major overhaul i was a little i mean again i was sad to see don cooper go but i thought it was well i was saying years ago like I think we need a new pitching coach. Like, I think that might be a thing. But again, we had like AJ Pazinski. We had a reliever in, this was a long time ago, now that I think about it. But like Addison Reed, two player, two pitchers I really, really loved. And then we got rid of them. We got a lot in return, which is paid off, I'd say, considerably. Um, having Kopech on the team, I was like, okay, I don't know how to feel about him. But now he's hopefully going to make the starting rotation i'm a little worried about it but i think he can do it i think he has the chops for it i want to see garrett crotchet crochet crotchet crochet Crochet. Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) um in a more reliever role because i think he'd be better off as like kind of the in-between fifth and sixth or maybe even the third sometimes true but i was really disappointed to see uh the call so i guess going to the more off season uh, I love Carlos Rodon, but I guess that's my heart saying that I love Carlos Rodon and his comeback. I don't, is it some Rick Hahn mastermind game he's playing with us where he's like, in the long run, this is going to work. Well, in the long run, we ended up, we ended up with eating Keiko's contract, Kimbrel's option. Yep. We got a, We gave up Cesar Hernandez. We don't have a second baseman anymore. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it... It's a little bit out of um, the team is a little bit incomplete and that's the way it works at the start of the off season. I suppose, I think we'd like to have a little bit more of the pieces in place. So when you look at the 2022 team needs, uh, what is the one thing you think the white Sox definitely need to do? It does seem like there are significant needs at second right field. And of course, as always rotation and bullpen, what jumps out maybe of those four uh, or go off the board if you want. Uh, the, the White Sox really need to shore up for you to feel better about the team going into 2022. So I'd say what would make me feel better, and if, if Rick Hahn's listening. Rick Come Hahn, on, Rick, you know you are. Rick, Rick, please, please listen to me. Um, I think they really need a second baseman. I think more, again, we need some solid bullpen arms. And if that means we trade Keichel and Kimbrell in my dream life, in my dream Barbie dream house world, that's what I want. But I think for right field, don't depend on Andrew Vaughn and Gavin. They can't, and Gavin Cheats, they can do it. They will be able to do it. But you need someone that, again, Andrew Vaughn had, did not 
he broke the team out of camp and he didn't really, I don't think he had minor league experience at the time that he was. Maybe well, he, he went did. all the way from high A. So it's a huge jump because then you yeah. never played double A or triple A ball. It is a huge adjustment. And I can't imagine the like upheaval he felt like, oh my God, this is so exhilarating, but I don't have the experience necessary. So, I mean, ideally I would love to see uh, the hitting coach leave. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. That's my personnel opinion, I should okay. say. <laughs> but I think the holes needed are a solid backup catcher, um, right field and second baseman. And then in the throwaway, I'd say maybe one more starter, not from the White Sox, um, and then a reliever or someone that's, that is a starter but willing to pitch in a reliever role or a setup role because Mm -hmm. I, I love guns and roses. I love the song sweet child of mine, but now I can't listen to that song without getting a little (laughs) fight or flight response. Um, I, I I don't, I won't say that I like kind of like like get a little nauseous, but I do get a little like, sorry, this is my dog Buck. He says, hello. We Um, do have, we, we've had many pet intrusions on the podcast, so I don't blame my mom's out of town for the weekend. So I am with the dog the whole time. So <laughs> he is not happy. He's getting fussy. He's a golden retriever. So he's like, if attention isn't on me 100% of the time, not ideal. So I, I would say, I mean, again, I'm one of those people that was, I love seeing Kyle Schroeder play for the Cubs based on when I worked there. And based on my own personal interactions with him, I thought, you know what he would look great in? Black and white. Send him to the White Sox. Send him to the White Sox. I think he'd be a great fit. Again, that's not to say that he wasn't great for the Red Sox. I think um, I can't stand Barstool Sports, but one of the guys was like, oh, my God, he's from Waltham. Like, he's from Waltham, Massachusetts. That's his hometown. He was born and raised there. And in the interview, Kyle Schwarber goes, oh, yeah, uh, apparently I'm from Waltham, Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Middleton, Ohio isn't a real place. And I go, yeah, Kyle, you didn't know that. It's in a real place. It, it's uh, it's the purgatory of Midwest. Um, Indiana's just where you get through, but like Ohio, I, I joke as I say, I love my cousins in Ohio. I got to go to a Mud Hens game there, and it was it was great because my mom and I love the Mud Hens. So no, we we count Toledo, we count Toledo, All right. we count Cleveland and Cincinnati because those are the major league. <clears throat> ballparks and I have friends from the Cincinnati area so I can't I can't shade Cincinnati because the Reds are my national league team all right full full disclosure full Joey Votto reason fair enough those are good reasons that is a good reason um well Delia we have gotten to know you a bit we have talked a little 2021 and 2022 the retriever is asking to be retrieved we will wind up Southside Sox Mothership podcast number 73. Please read her Meet the Players. We didn't cover every point there, so you're still going to learn some more stuff about her by reading that. And just keep an eye out for more contributions during the offseason and into the 2022 season, providing we have one. We will both knock on wood there. We have an on-time full 2022 season. Uh, And, you know, we'll be hearing from you again, I'm sure, real soon. More podcasts and more writing, Delia. Thank you for hopping on with me for this first introduction to Southside Sox. Appreciate you having, appreciate having you on the team. Thank you. I appreciate being on the team. 
Thanks everybody for reading, sometimes watching, listening. Uh, without you guys, ah, we got nothing. We'll be back with another Southside Sox podcast and probably some of the other offshoot podcasts probably sooner than you think and sooner than you're ready. Dealey is going to go see the puppy dog and I am winding this up right now.